0: And I love this scene because Mary took what the Bible describes as her glory and used it as a rag to wipe the feet of Jesus. But in the process of doing this, she was transferring the fragrance of Jesus onto herself at the feet of Jesus. That's what happens to each and every one of us when we sit and worship at the feet of Jesus. There is a transference of the fragrance of Christ.
1: Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: Well, today we're going to conclude John chapter 12. This is the third week in John 12. So we pick up and resume in verses 27 through 50. Jesus hour had come and it was a time that was going to lead him to the cross that we might be saved Today we're gonna pick up as I said in verses 27 through 50 and we're gonna see a, a sermon I titled if I am lifted up In verses 27 through 36 a troubled soul verses 37 through 41 blinded and hardened hearts and 42 through 50 abiding in the light. John tells us that this had a ring of prophecy to it. It was a prophecy of Isaiah, actually two of them. John said in verses 38 through 40, that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should hear with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. It almost seems like God doesn't want to heal people. Here it says, God has blinded their eyes. God had hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should hear with their ears. They would turn in repentance and then I would have to heal them. It almost appears as if God doesn't want to bring salvation by these words of Isaiah. And they come from two separate passages. The first comes from Isaiah 53.1, where it says, The Lord who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53.1. The second comes from Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 6 that he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. I believe what's going on here is it's much like Pharaoh. When Moses came to him and said, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let your people go? And over and over again, we read of Pharaoh hardening his heart. And then at times we read of the Lord hardening the heart of Pharaoh. I believe that First, Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord and his people. And then God made firm the condition of Pharaoh's heart. I do not believe that God doesn't want people to believe in him, but he knows the condition of our hearts. And there were people there in the days of Jesus. They had seen the mighty miracles that he had performed. They had actually seen Lazarus risen from the grave, and yet they refused to believe their hearts were already hardened against God and the truth of God's word. And thus God blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they could not see and they could not hear or understand, lest salvation should come to them as well. Many people witnessed the miracles of Jesus and the mighty arm of God, and yet they choose to not believe. And God will do that to this very day. There are people that they're just hard against the Lord, and there's a point I believe that you can reach a point of no return. I think, and it's my opinion, of course, but I think that that point of no return can be different for every person. We know that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so just by reaching out to the Lord in life-saving faith, there is the opportunity of salvation. God has promised that those who cry out to him in life-saving faith, will be saved. But I also believe that someone can harden their heart until the, I believe it was Paul who talked about their own conscience being seared as if with the hot iron. And if you've ever been burned by a hot iron, I have a, a scar, wrong arm, over here, where I leaned into some hot steel on the job one day. should have known better. The welders were just there. And uh, I leaned into it, and it was seared, and it's always been marked ever since. It's never going to go away. That part of my flesh has been changed forever. And that happens to those who refuse to believe in Jesus, and I believe it can happen little by little. Perhaps it's just a small searing at first that can get larger and larger until hearts are made firm Eyes are blinded, hearts are hardened against the Lord. People are getting harder against the word of the Lord to this day. But you know, the question isn't about other people and other people's hearts. It's really, Lord, what is the condition of my heart before you today? Have you found that living in this world is having a hardening effect upon your life? Be careful, God may one day bind up or make firm the condition of your heart. But in contrast, has the hardness of this world soften your heart toward Jesus, resulting in your salvation? You know, the Lord wants to make known the riches of his mercy in our lives. All we have to do is cry out to Jesus in life-saving faith. So verse 41, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. I love it that John tells us that these prophecies that we looked at just a moment ago, these prophecies that came from Isaiah 51.1 and Isaiah 6 verses 9 and 10. John said, Isaiah spoke of these things when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who is he talking about? Is he talking about God the Father? He saw the glory of God the Father? Or is he talking about seeing Jesus Christ? Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In Isaiah 6, the prophet was describing seeing the glory of God. And John now adds an explanation that he saw the glory of Christ here. He was speaking of Christ it's a reminder of the importance and the power of God's prophetic word. It points others to Jesus. I think that's why it's so important for us to get a handle of the word of God. I think that's why it's so important for us to memorize the word of God. I try to help us to do that. And I will admit to you that I don't always remember the address, but through reading and studying the word of God and trying to memorize scripture, I can remember perhaps at least the important sections of the word that when I'm speaking to others, I'm able to share the word of God with them. Jesus said of the Bible itself in John 5, 39 and 40, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they that testify of me. These are they of testify of me. It's all about Jesus. We learn from the word of God. So those who have seen and understood Jesus' glory must be willing to speak of him to others. I think it's so important that we share our faith. There are people who have blinded and hardened hearts, but there are others who their hearts aren't so hard, their eyes aren't so blinded, and you can help them to see. Again, I had mentioned earlier that the older I get, the more light I like because it helps me to see. Another thing that helps me to see, these glasses right here. You all got blurry when I took them off. I want to see your faces, but I also want to see the word that I'm looking at and reading. And I can do that better. It's a little blurry right now. I can see it. I'd work my way through it. I might trip up on a word here or there if I attempted to read without my glasses. And so I wear them that I can see clearly. Sometimes people's eyes are slightly blinded by this world, and we're able to come alongside with God's word as with prescription glasses and help them to see and understand it. It's blurry to them. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, I tried reading the Bible, but I, I don't know, that's hard. It's blurry to them, and so you can come alongside and help them to see and help them to understand. It's not as difficult as some people might think. And so for those of us who have seen and understood Jesus' glory, we must be willing to speak of him to others. Finally, verses 42 through 50, abiding in the light. We find in verses 42 and 43, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God." Although many of the religious rulers believed in Jesus, I don't think they had a faith that would stand for Jesus. And here was their condemnation. They loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. It was more important for them to be connected to the synagogue than to be connected to Jesus Christ. And that's true for so many people that we might witness to today. It's more important for them to be connected to their non-believing family Well, I don't know what my family would do if I'd accept Jesus as my Savior. It's more important for them to be connected to some cult. I mentioned the Jehovah's Witnesses earlier. It's a cult. They do not rightly believe in the Word of God. They had added to the Word of God the Church of the Mormons and Jesus of Latter-day Saints. They also, though they attempt to call themselves Christian, they have added to the word of god and they in fact say that you can't rightly understand the bible unless you have the book of mormon to help you be that those lenses to see properly there are people who love the praises of men the circumstance they're in more so than taking a stand for jesus christ their condemnation they love the praises of men more than the praises of god so was there belief in Jesus here, in verse 42, a life-saving faith? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It means money. I could have said money. True faith will eventually stand for Jesus. And here's a neat picture of Nicodemus. Remember in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus by night. He came in stealth. He didn't want the other religious rulers to know what he was up to. But when he came to Jesus, he said, Teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no man can do the things that you do unless God has sent him. And then Jesus went on to talk about to Nicodemus about being born again. And Nicodemus had a hard time understanding what Jesus meant by saying you must be born again. The next time we meet Nicodemus, it's in John chapter 7. And it's when the religious rulers are condemning Jesus in their Sanhedrin court. So we think of 71 people gathering together, 71 judges of Israel gathering together to bring condemnation against Jesus. And Nicodemus stood up and said, you know, you guys are being unfair. How can you judge someone unless you first hear him? And they responded to Nicodemus, John 7, 52. Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has risen out of Galilee. They challenged, the religious rulers challenged Nicodemus to search and look. And I believe Nicodemus did search and look. And he discovered the truth about Jesus Christ. Because the next time we read of him, he comes alongside Joseph of Arimathea. And he's helping to bury the body of Jesus. When Jesus' disciples are in hiding, Nicodemus takes a stand for Jesus. I believe true faith will eventually cause us to stand up for Jesus. I got to tell you, when I was in high school a couple of years ago, (laughs) okay, 40 years ago, when I was in high school, I wasn't real forward with my faith. And whenever the conversation got around to the word of God and I realized that they were uh, twisting scripture, I would have to stand up. I would have to speak. I didn't walk or carry my faith as one of my friends did, who was a missionary for over 20 years in the Philippines. As early as a junior, he knew he wanted to be a missionary and everybody knew he was a Christian and he still is serving the Lord to this day. I didn't walk in that way. I always looked up to that guy, but I would take a stand. I believe true faith, true faith will eventually stand up for Jesus when push comes to shove. Don't be ashamed of God's word. At the time when Jesus's disciples were hiding, Nicodemus stood up for Jesus. Sadly, these that John were writing about here, they loved the praises of men, and it caused them for many never to hear the praises of God. Who do you want to hear? Well done. You want to hear people say that to you or do you want to hear God say that to you one day? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Verses 44 and 45. Believing and seeing Jesus, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. As the chapter concludes, Jesus teaches about Faith, faith in Jesus points us to God the Father, faith in God. And one cannot truly believe in God unless he uh, believes in the Son. And one cannot truly believe in the Son without believing in God the Father. That's why I put on our um, statement up here, believe, receive, grow and go. We first need to believe that God is, and then we need to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. It speaks about also the unity of God, the father and God, the son, where Jesus said to Philip in John 14, nine and 11. Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long that you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am the father and the father is in me? In the word that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. That truly believing in God will ultimately cause people to come face to face with Jesus Christ. I believe that. Those who come into true belief in God the Father... God will reveal his son to them. You know, God doesn't need us. He loves to use us. I believe that those who truly search, even if in a place where there are no believers presence to testify to them, God will find a way to bring them to his son. But God has given us a privilege to testify. We should find it a privilege to testify of Jesus in the day and age that we live in. So Jesus goes on 46 and 47. I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. Those who believe in Jesus, they're going to walk in the light. They're no longer abiding in darkness, the darkness of sin. And we hear the words of Jesus. We believe in him. We find that Jesus came to save. That was the mission of Jesus Christ. Not to judge, but to save. There's a lot of people that misunderstand that today. You try to present Jesus, the message of the gospel, to people, and they they might say, don't judge me. Well, Jesus didn't come to judge. He said, I came to save. But he would go on to say, the word of God will be your judge. You know, we're judged by the word. And it means that. This is the authority. I believe the last time I got a speeding ticket, it was several years ago, thankfully. I was coming to church on a Sunday morning, coming down Fairfield Road. I could see the church building. I was so close. <laughs> but I was probably doing 55 in the 40 there. There was no getting out of it. Why? Because there's signs posted out there, 40 miles an hour. I'm pretty good about trying to obey it. But the sign had me. If the sign would have been 145, 135, 155, I could have simply pleaded, I'm not sure what speed limit I should go, so I went for the fastest one. That's how people like to do today. But we have the word of God. It's by the word that people will be judged. In John 3 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. However, to reject Jesus brings the judgment of God's word upon all unbelievers. One day, those who do not believe will stand before the white throne judgment of God, where it tells us and the books will be open and they'll be judged by the things that are written in the book. But Jesus is the true light that gives light to every man. We have to remember that. So the authority, verses 48 through 50, the final three verses, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge them in the last day. For I have not spoken in my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, Just as the Father told me, so I speak. At Jesus' first coming, he did not come to judge, but to bring salvation, to bring everlasting life. And that salvation has come by the command of God. God wants to see us saved. God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. And a person's salvation is It's going to be based upon their obedience to the Word of God, not their own opinion about how they think salvation should happen, but what the Bible should say. Another thing that I will mention in our Prophecy Update this month coming up in September, there's a church out in California. They got rid of their location, that they could go to a location where they might serve beer while the preacher's preaching. In fact, the preacher joked that one or two beers in someone, and I'm a better preacher. That's sad, but here's what is worse. They talked about this all-inclusiveness. No matter your background, no matter your lifestyle, no matter your faith, come to this church because we will not have any hurtful theology. And my thought is, what if the theology, theology means the study of God? What if it's right theology? Although it hurts us sometimes, if it's theology, if it's right, and if it's truth, too bad on our part. We're gonna be judged by the theology of God's word. We're gonna be judged by the truth of God's word. Whether it's hurtful in the sight of man, it doesn't matter. One day we'll be judged by the written word of God. In a person's salvation, it's based on their obedience to the word of God. And the word of God teaches us that salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. Thankfully, Jesus came the first time to not bring judgments, but salvation and everlasting life. In John 20, 31, it says, These were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so those who abide in the light of Jesus Christ, they need not worry about the judgment of God. And that's one thing that I've seen in ministry, that there are many faithful followers of Jesus Christ who have a dread fear of the coming judgment of God. And the word of God teaches us that we should not have such dread fear. Why? Because we've placed everything upon Jesus. It's not our works. It's his work that brings our salvation. And so in him, we need to put our trust. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it's taught us today. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. It's my prayer for us this day. And I pray, Father, that if there is one who is in need of prayer today, that they would come and just seek your face. If there is one who, Lord, has never asked you to be the Lord and Savior of their life, Lord, perhaps they have been worrying a bit about the coming judgment And, Lord, you've already saved them. Lord, whatever the prayer need might be, I pray that they'd be willing to come and lay it at your feet. This day we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit.